You're listening to The One Room with a View show. With Christopher Preston and Dan Orton. Hello and welcome to The One Room with a View show with me, Christopher Preston, and I'm here to tell you, always be yourself, unless you can be Dan Orton, then always be Dan Orton. Here he is joining me today. <laughs> That's very kind. No worries. Thank you very much. I thought that worked. A lovely welcome. Uh, yes, so here we are, February's podcast, our main podcast of, of February. Because um, we do an exclusive with an X now, don't yes, we? we? That's we not official have, branding. That's we just... all have show extra. Yeah, extra, <laughs> um, that's it. Yeah, not exclusive. Uh, which will be out in a couple of weeks' time. Well, will be out two weeks after this one. Talking of... Two weeks out after this one, what's coming up on today's show, Dan? Excellent segueing, as always, Christopher. So, this episode, some film old, some film new, we are looking at Batman the movie from 1966. Just a wonderful, uh, glorious celebration of camp. And uh, this year's The Lego Batman movie, which is, I guess, a a spin-off of... The Lego movie from a couple yeah, of years Yeah, it's like ago. a spin-off sequel. I think, well, we'll probably discuss that. Yeah, yeah. The very so that's, nature of it. that's our something old, something new this this episode. I'm very excited to talk about it. I mean, you're a big Batman fan. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I love Lego. So you're a big Robin fan. <laughs> I'm a so. big Robin fan, yeah. Um, we're also bringing back our, I think, much maligned... <laughs> <laughs> if this is the feature I think you're going to say, then yes, I agree with that. <laughs> and ignored. <laughs> I can't understand you, but it looks bloody good. This is our foreign film feature, which we, we don't do enough. Uh, we, 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 we love foreign film, mm. for the most part, um, but we never really discuss it enough. We don't, it doesn't get discussed. We're not allowed to. Government, you know, government initiatives have come in now, so... Yes, so now the Article 50 is triggered. <laughs> yeah, we, we need to get in as many as possible. Do you want to tell the, the listeners what you're going to be talking about this oh, month? Or? Hook, Dan. A hook, right, Surely. okay, well, I mean, I'm sure... It, not the Dustin Hoffman film. To, <laughs> <laughs> that, that is not quite a foreign film feature. Not quite, not quite. Dad's describing films. So pleased it's back, and it's John Orton's It's in John Orton's turn. Yeah, uh, his, rep- his riposte to, to the Bob Preston <laughs> to the wonderful, the wonderful debut of Bob Preston last, <laughs> last month. Um, I can't wait. Which I'm still chuckling at. Yeah, but, I really um, can't wait. And I've got a Netflix for you. Oh, thank God for that. Should we... Should we crack on? I think we should. Let's do it. Some film old, some film new. <laughs> yes, as I said at the top of the show just then, Batman. We've gone. We've gone a bit Batman mad. Um, yeah. th- this Batmania is hit. Batmania is hit. We're just. We're all in black. Yeah. Or very very dark grey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Let's start off with uh, the most recent one. Batman. The Lego, the Lego Batman, Batman, movie. Batman movie to give it its full full name, Lego Batman, uh, colloquially. Uh, some people are saying the greatest Batman film ever. Yeah, not not quite true. <laughs> no, I think that's probably no, premature. People are being a little bit. We live in that kind of. Excited. We were talking about that knee jerk reaction. I mean, we were speaking about it in the in the uh, the one room with the view show extra uh, last uh, last episode. But Dan and I were actually speaking about it in his kitchen the, this afternoon at the time of recording because we were saying about this online knee jerk reaction where we yeah, have to speak in yeah. big hyperbolic statements when cinema always deserves to be digested before we speak about it. Mm. I was actually in the queue for something the other day. I can't quite remember in, in the cinema. And these two student types were speaking in front of me about La La Land. 
And one of them used the, the sentence of, when you're speaking about the greatest films ever made, one can't disqualify La La Land already. And I thought, the film's, like, the film's not even been out for a month in the United Kingdom. Bloody students. You, you can't turn around and say something's one of the greatest films ever. How can it enter the pantheon of the shelf, Dan? Well, quite. Without, without proper digestion. And only a few films get yeah. to that. And so, yeah, that seems like a knee-jerk reaction. I will say it's probably the best Batman film since The Dark Knight. <laughs> yes. I, it's I, not, that's not, it's the, not difficult, uh, perhaps. not a difficult uh, thing to... to... Film, but it is a, it's great because it's a museum piece, isn't it? It's a, it's a scrapbook of Batman. It's a celebration, a homage of yes. everything. I mean, the thing, I, the thing, I, the immediate thing that came out uh, that I felt coming out of seeing Lego Batman, which is out in cinemas now at time of recording, was released was released yesterday at the time of recording. Uh, the first thing that came to my mind was that it, it it was this celebration of Batman. It wasn't afraid to poke fun at Batman. But it did so in such an affectionate manner. Mm. You weren't bothered by it. It was, you know, absolutely it was, it was doing it in a way that was very respectful to the source material and indeed, I think, to the fans' um, feelings towards Batman. You know, I was in a screening full of, uh, you know, people our age, mid twenties, bit older, bit younger. But you know, people were belly laughing throughout. They were at all the little jokes, you know, the, the little one-liners and the asides about. You know, Suicide Squad and about the ridiculous but that's what I was roster say is, of isn't villains. There, it's, and, a gra- and it's a great thing that you c- it's got so many layers of humour. So for someone like me who's just obsessed with Batman and yes. have been from an early age, there was there were so many references mm. to all of the cinematic canon. But there's also references to things like The Dark Knight Returns and stuff like that. And even the serials from the 40s. Yeah, yeah. I just thought that was incredible. But it also unified this idea of Batman being originally a very kind of, well seemingly a very dark um, master avenger of the night then going into camp then kind of going back to his gritty origins mm. it celebrated all aspects yes. which you know like we'll talk about the Adam West um, stuff in a, in a moment the Adam West outing mm. the Bat fans have always distanced themselves from that kind of kaleidoscope and camp so I, I, I find it very interesting I mean we obviously decided on discussing Batman the movie from the 60, from 66 with this film, uh, alongside this film, before we'd seen this film. And I was surprised, actually, coming out of this one, how good a choice that was. Absolutely. It seems that the West of... stuff is the most referenced. The, it's the biggest reference point of all the Bat canon. Yeah, yeah. And again, but it doesn't, it doesn't mock it. it no, it, 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 it celebrates it. And, and, and that era of Batman should be celebrated. I think that you know, people look at it now a bit, you know, they look down their noses at Adam West and, and um, Burt Ward's adventures as Batman and Robin but you know to to be a bit cliche they were a product of their time but also a product of the comics but, but yes yes exactly well. they were you know they, the comics were like that bearing in mind um, that Batman used to fight sharks in outer space on a weekly basis back in those he wasn't this gritty detective you know they'd come out of that period from the from the, the noir mm. period let's do plots before we yes, get away yes. with so, ourselves shall I take Lego Batman and you take 66 yeah go on okay yeah. so Lego Batman it really is, as I say, the whole thing revolves around celebrating the Batman canon. But loosely, it's about Batman coming to terms with the fact that he can't just fight on his own. He needs a family. He needs to overcome his greatest yes. fear, which is alongside, is it snake clowns or clown, clown snakes? And yeah. um, it's, it's being a part of a family again, which I thought was actually a great choice. It didn't shy away from the fact that Batman's no. origins is that his parents have been murdered yeah. and he's psychologically traumatised yeah. by that. These are Lego figures. Yeah. There was, a definite, there was depth to it and, and there was proper characterisation yeah. in, in these little toy figures. Absolutely. So, I mean, remarkable. and that is in itself, it's Batman overcoming that and a 
assembling, to use <laughs> Lego and Avengers terminology, this bat family to, to fight the yeah. Joker in his most dastardly, dastardly plot yet. Whereas Batman the movie, so the, the Batman movie, to give it some context, came out, I think, just as season one of the TV show was ending or was midway It was, through. yeah, it's, it was an advert, it was commercial yeah, yeah, for the it was show. basically yeah. just trying to promote the show by releasing a movie. An interesting move, but there you go. Anyway, but all in the um, 60s, Dad, it, it was a product of its time. It's a product of its time. So Batman and Robin must save the day from the United Underworld. <laughs> yeah. Which is a... Which, which you know. is a better version of Suicide Squad than <laughs> Suicide Squad. Um, Batman's greatest villains have clubbed together to bring Club them down. together. <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea. <laughs> to, to, to create, to sort of to pull their resources yeah. uh, to bring him down. Catwoman, Joker, the Riddler and Penguin have joined forces. Um, they, they kidnap... Commodore Schmidlap. By, by, by re- well, yes, to begin with, and then by means of dehydration. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kidnap the entire United World Organization National Security Council, which is a, um, a fill in for the United Nations yeah. Security Council. Um, and, and, and Batman and Robin have to stop them. I love the idea that Batman and Robin kind of enter Cold War politics. Well, yeah, that was the most interesting thing about this film. Is like, here we are, everyone's like, oh, it's camp and it's silly and, you know, it's, you know bam and kapow on the screen. But, yeah. you know, actually, there is this... There's this element. nuclear threat <laughs> that yeah, under... They, they, tackle, they tackle nuclear missiles in the Cold War crisis. And, and there's this sort of message about, you know... Uh, can we all, can people from such different backgrounds all get along together and... and, and um, and right or do we need to the knock world. the hell out of them or via do, our, yeah, or do our battery? Or do we need to de- dehydrate them all? Um, so, yes, that's, that's Batman the movie. <laughs> Starring, I love this, I just wanted to go through the names of these people because don't, you don't get Hollywood film stars, like Hollywood names like this anymore. You've got Adam West as Batman, obviously to most people nowadays probably known as Ma- more from Mayor West, Mayor yeah. West from Family Guy. Burt Ward was, was, was Robin. Lee Merriweather as Catwoman. Well, she was one of three Catwomen they yeah. had in the, in the series. Julie Newmar had already been cast as Catwoman in the TV series, <clears> but did her back out or something, so, so couldn't be in the film. And then Eartha Kitt but came But then Eartha Kitt came it? in season three. Uh, Burgess Meredith as, as um, Penguin. People Mo- will probably know from Rocky. From Rocky. They, yeah. Cesar Romero, the wonderfully named Cesar Romero. He's a cracking Joker as who, well. Who, and I, my favourite bit of trivia about... Him as Joker. I know what you're going to say. He refused to shave off his pencil moustache yeah, and for the role. And you can see it in the you, you can see it always. And what's really great is that, you know, there was all of this kind of like contract stuff where they couldn't release it on home video for like 50 years. Yeah. And in the end, they brought it out a couple of years ago uh, on Blu-ray. And because they've restored it all to HD, you can see every individual yes. strand it's of a, yeah. hair now, which I just think is great. Great, and they covered it with the white face makeup. But he he absolutely refused point blank to shave off his trademark moustache. And um, Frank Gorshin um, as as the Riddler. Uh, so back to the Lego Batman movie, a follow up. I mean, the Lego Batman made his debut in 2014's The Lego Movie, mm. which we. Reviewed on a previous podcast, uh, and I think we we, we loved, loved it. it. We loved yeah. it. It was great. Um, I was worried that this might lose some of the humour from that irreverence, that, the irreverence. But it doesn't. It, it doesn't. And I think what really is great is that the twist in the Lego Movie, where you find out why things are the way they are. Yeah. If that makes sense. I kind of 
want to still guard that secret yeah, in the next couple of years yeah. later. Uh, it really sets the tone for all of these films. And and I love the idea that actually we can get away with anything in these Lego these Lego movies. Yeah. Like, for example, Batman fights the Daleks. Well, I was yes. just having like nerdgasm upon nerdgasm <laughs> for is that Batman fights the Daleks, Sauron, King Kong, Voldemort. Godzilla, Voldemort, Voldemort is in the Phantom Zone. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was... And that's what I love about these ideas is that we, have, we all have these. If, if you're a nerd, you, you have all of these fantasy crossovers where you think, wouldn't it be great? Like one of the big things now, I know people are talking about the idea of the Avengers and X-Men and yeah, because yeah, of contract yeah. law and things, there's no way that seemingly this will ever happen or they said that about Spider-Man but but never will there be a film where Batman fights the Daleks (laughs) except this and I love that idea you know is that it's bringing about this wonderful stew of popular culture whilst taking the pee out of everything at the same time yeah that's great and and it's very I mean it's very self-aware there's wonderful moments so I mean there's so many visual gags in this film I've seen it it twice now and I've got to admit that even seeing it the second time I couldn't cope yeah. with how many jokes per it, second there are it reminded me a lot of airplane in that kind of just machine gun rate of gags coming at you i mean there's it lulls a bit in the middle there seems to be a bit of they seem to sort of as they reload presumably but mm. then in the end then it comes back at you at the end so you just it just rat-a-tat-tat throughout gag 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 everyone in the cinema and as you said it's not just the dialogue it's not just no, the, if, the if, if you might be too busy laughing at what someone you're just trying said. to actually and there's watch actually in the so background. many things going on in the background um and and just so many things to uh, capitalizing on the fact they're lego figures like there's when when there's a bit of when there's a load of wind and they're outside alfred's like attachable bald cap <laughs> yeah, flaps yeah. a bit like <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but also giving that idea of like recreating, they recreate a scene from every Batman film, apart, yes. apart from the '66 one where they, they just use, use footage. footage. Yeah. <laughs> but they they actually bring every cinematic outing of Batman is recreated a scene in Lego, which I even that I just thought was such a joy to watch. You know, it, it ticks that, well, yeah, that kind of quirky you, box. You've had you've had similar episodes in 2016. <laughs> yeah, 2012. 2012. 2009, and of course there's that strange one. That strange one in 1966. And we see the Batusi, don't we? That Adam West kind of dance that he brought about in the 60s. But yeah, just wonderful. I think what both films get right is that knowing sense of humour. People think that the 66 Batman film was a straight film, and it, it isn't. It is a comedy. No, they knew what they were doing. Yeah, and it I is mean, very <laughs> tongue-in-cheek. It has this, almost the same sense of humour. Thank God that noble porpoise it, <laughs> took the missile Exactly, all that kind of stuff. And hand me my shark repellents. Right, you can't watch that film and think it was anything but tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. But what was also great about both these films is the casting is spot-on for everyone. Mm. You know, I think the Lego Batman movie, Will Arnett, if you've seen Arrested Development, him as Job, and that gravelly kind of tarmac-y voice he's got, which he, I mean, he's becoming an excellent voice uh, voice actor in his own right with Bojack Horseman. Yeah, and, yeah. And the, the, yeah. the Lego Batman, but he's great in, in the Arrested Development as well. But him... Ray Fiennes as Alfred. Yes. You've got... Even well, Michael Sarah as Robin. Michael Sarah as Robin, which, again, I think played well on that Arrested Development metatextuality mm. as well. Mm. I just think they're so great. And, like, Adam West, for me, always was Batman growing up. I think a lot of Bat fans say, like, Michael Keaton, maybe because of my age and maybe because of the reruns. But Adam West brings this wonderful, stoic, kind of, like, Boy Scout <laughs> character to Batman. You know, like, he's unwavering in his principles you know yeah. and I love that idea I think that's really really great but casting for all of these films 
No, it's regular. Rosario Dawson seems to be all over the place now, doesn't she? You know, voicing Barbara Gordon in this. She's in. Um, she's pretty, she's been called the, the Nick Fury of the Defenders. Right? <laughs> yeah, she seems to, she's there and bringing them all together, um, which is great because she's she's a marvelous actress. But the Lego Batman movie gets to do things that would cause nerd earthquakes. I think. Uh, if it was done in live action, like Commissioner Gordon is retired in the Lego Batman movie, and yes, a Hispanic woman takes over the Commissioner role, <laughs> which they would never be able to get away with. There is a finally a black Two Face played by Billy D. Williams. I love that. that which was I thought gr- was a great again nod. another level of humor. Like who who do you cast as as Two Face? He doesn't even have that many. Yeah, like he has two lines, but it's still great. Um, and there's there's so many great cameos. Eddie Izzard hilariously, even though they've got Ray Fiennes in the film, Eddie Izzard does the voice of Voldemort. There's loads. Honestly, I, mean, there's, I can't even can't, think. There's Conan six. O'Brien is the Riddler. Um, they mock Tom Hardy's Bane in a but, very... But whilst but, referencing but, the comics Bane. Yeah. <laughs> it's things like that, you know. I actually thought it was really great as well with the Suicide Squad gag, which I think is one of my favourite gags where it goes, well, get, get a load of bad guys to fight the bad guys. That's a stupid idea. No, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> as they're wandering out. It's um, all of those kind of things. Yeah, I don't want to... I mean, we could go on and on, but we'd, we don't, we don't want to give away... cataloging gags. I don't want to just give away the script. Guys, you have to see this this film I don't, my dad rang me last night after I saw it um, and he said he said I've been trying to get hold of you where have you been I said I'm sorry I've been at the cinema he said oh yeah what did you see I said a Lego Batman movie obviously and he just went oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> see my dad on the other hand who's now as you know having this resurgence in two very films already can't wait for it no I told my dad to go and see it and I said look it's like I said look dad the humour is like airplane you're going to love you know it's so reverent and silly and mm. laugh out loud and there are belly laughs to it as you say yeah. you know, there are some really I think for me the sequence I was that is unashamedly the best is the laughing first out sequence loud. there are so plane. many yeah on the plane it, which I just think it, as you said that yeah. machine gun rat tat 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 of gags it just reminded me there are as I say there are so many references for me that was very reminiscent of a parody almost of like The Dark Knight Rises but it is much more pastiche than parody as you said there is that loving reverence yeah everything, everything I think com- everything comes from a place of love from the writers and everyone involved and the director Chris McKay uh, of Robot, Robot Chicken fame this is his first film but obviously he's you know he's been directing various episodes of Robot Chicken which is as, as anyone who knows Robot Chicken is a it's popular culture a pop, sketch it's show it's a pop culture sketch show of all sorts of, and it, it's very like he's he's an excellent choice to do this. Uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller stay on as producers. I think yeah, exec producers um, or something. Yeah. But what a great you know the guy who's spent most of his career doing this pop culture TV show with with, with, animated, with, figures. with animated figures and action figures and, and and famous people voicing them to come and do the Lego Batman movie. It's a good fit and and he there's obviously there's so much respect for the source material. I can't you know. And it does come at this time. Like I think. Pound for pound, what is referenced most, I, for me, was the 66 Batman series. And I think maybe because there are those tendrils, those, uh, that seam of, of, of sharing a sense of humour, that DNA mm. between, the, between the films. I quite like the fact that there seems to be this, this um, finally, this warmth for Adam West's Batman. Because before, particularly with the Nolan stuff, because it was so polar opposite in terms of Spectrum of Darkness, West was just banished to reruns. Yeah, it's a shame. I say he became a sort of figure of ridicule. Yeah, and, and we forget how popular that Batman was. Like, that, that reference we made at the beginning of the podcast, that Batmania. Yeah, yeah. The whole of America yes, fell in love with Adam West's Batman and that, and that, um, that typical kind of American style of over-the-topness, that, that wonderful narrator's voice, the constant two-parters with the formula. Yeah, yeah, what will happen to Batman this yeah, week? Same bat time, the, yeah, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. 
But now it does seem like I remember constantly on polls on on the internet, it was constantly like, what would what series would you love to see come back? What series would you love to see that's not released on DVD released? And it was always the Batman stuff. And I say finally, I think in two thousand and fourteen the Blu-ray and DVD was mm. finally out on home, home media and topped the yeah. charts for weeks. But, in t- uh, but alongside that, they brought out the... They continued the series in comic book form, which is still selling to this day. They did the Return of the Cape Crusaders, which I mentioned earlier in the show, which has already got a sequel, and they're going to do a 66 version of Two-Face, which I can't wait for. I think William Shatner is going to play the role. <laughs> and it's little things like that for me that I'm so glad they're re- they're doing that. Well, nostalgia is big business these days, it isn't is. it? But I mean, it's also I feel like it's just refreshing for a lot of people. It certainly, is for me that that we can have a Batman film that is laced with humour. Did you mention there? Nolan is so intense. relentlessly bleak. I mean, bleak intent. I'm going to say bleak as such, just lacking a bit in. The, the lighter side, shall yeah. we say. I don't know, I find um, The Dark Knight Rise particularly... Maybe Bane does bring hope and crush me with it, but <laughs> I find it relentlessly bleak, and I think I've mentioned it in podcasts. I think that The Dark Knight Rises degrades with every view. Like, you know, I haven't that seen that film for so long. Do, because I think that a lot of people gave it the benefit of the doubt, and it's this idea of Nolan producing bulletproof films. You, know, yeah. you can't have a go at him because in Nolan we trust. I think Batman Begins is probably the best of the films in terms of being a Batman film. The Dark Knight is still my favourite. The Dark Knight Rises, I think, just kind of goes all over the place. Yeah. You know, and I think maybe it's because of that. And then with Batfleck being so... I mean, that, there is a bleakness to that film as well. Relentless darkness. Sometimes yeah. you need that sense in every, of humor. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it, was, it, was nice. it was nice to find, again, see, you know, not since... I guess not since... Um, West Schumacher. Well, no, not since Schumacher. Oh, yeah, Schumacher, but Schumacher's yeah. uh, uh, and the George Clooney, the short-lived George Clooney era of Batman, has there been that level, this level of camp and fun and and silly humor? I rewatched Batman and Robin last year, I think. So I was think I can't remember. Maybe in in the walk up to Batman v Superman, I think yeah. I was rewatching all of the films. And I always give it the benefit of the doubt. I always go, it's never as bad as I remember. And put it on, I think, oh, Jesus. Like, it's so <laughs> awful. And I love the fact that even George Clooney looks like he's just doing it for a paycheck. He's like, oh, I'm Batman. You know, like, yeah, every good Batman gets that, I'm Batman moment. Yeah. But yeah, George Clooney's just there, like, yeah, I'll be Batman if you want. I'm not bothered. <laughs> just brilliant. Why not? Yeah, yeah, I'll try. I'll have a go. It'll be fun. I, the best thing about Batman and Robin is that it actually brings the conundrum that, because it's a follow-on to the Burton films, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. all exist. They all, they're that. supposed to be the same world. Those four, yeah. yeah. And he says something about Superman in it, and I always think that's the only interesting part of Batman and Robin. Is yeah, that he makes reference. He makes to reference to Superman and Metropolis, so therefore Superman must exist in that. I'd love to have seen that, but there you go. But yeah, they are great, great films. I think we're just going to end up. Is there anything yeah. particularly that we should say that is a negative, perhaps? I mean, the Lego Batman movie. I think you're right. It does stall. Uh, yeah, it, it, as I say, the, the, there's that middle bit where it all begins, you know. Um, as it sets up the finale. As it sets up the finale, they, they slow it down a bit, and they just, there's obviously a lot of there's a lot of exposition they need to get through to set, you know, to get it all to get the up. blocks in. Place. Yeah, to get the blocks to get the bricks in place. Um, it's very hard. I mean, it's very hard to say much negative. Thing. It's very hard to say anything negative about Batman sixty six. I just think it's... Because it's managing of the villains is Whedon-esque. 
<laughs> like it does give everyone their due, which I find is so difficult. And I mean, yeah. it's increasingly becoming a, an Achilles heel in the superhero mm. genre. It's not being able to give super. Like yeah. that's why, as as of recording today, an Infinity War production video was shown. Yes. I don't know if you saw yeah, that. Yeah, no, I saw that. And I'm so, and they confirmed the thing that we all expected was that the Avengers are going to finally meet the Guardians of the Galaxy in it. Mm. I can't wait for that. But still, part of me thinks, how is every one of those characters going to get their due? in that film. Mm. If it's going to be a two, two and a half hour film, which presumably it will be, and the Avengers as it stands at the moment, I mean, I can't even name them, there's so many of them, and then then, there's a Tony wing, there's the Steve Rogers wing, then you've got, what, the Chris Pratt wing, Uh, and plus we've got to set up Thanos as this huge villain. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to do it, but as I say, they get, if you think that in the 66 version, they get all of the iconic villains and still give them every, every single one of them gets their curtain call mm. and does something great. And people, it. I mean, you know, it's, it feels like old hat now, this whole idea of all, you know, people ganging together or there's some master plan. But that was the first that time. Was, that was the first time it was done and it was done to, to a plum. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Such great effect. <laughs> it was, um, and there's nothing, there's no fat on that film. It's 105, 110 something minutes, like long, that, yeah. just a bit over a hundred minutes long. Um, and it's just like you know, right? So we kick off. There's they go they go to rescue rescue the scientist. Then that all goes wrong, um, and you know, and just keeps keep going. Then they get tied to the boy, and then there's a there's that massive fight on the submarine. Yeah, there's a fight the submarine, and then you know, penguin just... infiltrates the bat cave. Yes, rehydrates his goons. Um, Burgess Meredith as the penguin is just <laughs> inspired casting. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> um, I mean, he's so good, they've never really been able to come back to the character. Like, what, Danny DeVito did his kind of weird, like, strange Batman Returns version. Yeah. They've never been able to do it. And I know there was, I mean... He's in Gotham, the TV series Gotham now. I, as, I know he's supposed to be younger. great, isn't he? Yeah, yeah he's Apparently. certainly a standout of that, of that series. There was a lot of conversation, I remember, when the fantasy casting for what would become The Dark Knight Rises came oh, out. Yeah. And there was all Johnny Depp as the Riddler and Philip Seymour Hoffman as the Penguin, which I still think would have been really good. I think he would have been a great, a great penguin, but yes, but I don't think the penguin fitted into Nolan's world, world of, of of sort of realism, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just Batman sixty six is just fun, good old fashioned fun, and and cleverer than people give it. Yeah, and as I said, you know, it, it it touched on issues of the time. I think they lampoon President Johnson. Um, do, yeah, it, you just see his hand, don't you, with the, yeah. the call, like, get me Batman, or something like that. <laughs> you know, uh, and show him up to be this sort of over-ambitious um, figure, and make, make, of, of, you know, perhaps we should be careful of, um, which is interesting, which is not something you generally see... In a Batman, <laughs> Batman film. film. Um, but I just like the idea of... They, they, both films grab Batman as character, and, and they run, run along with them, like, in... In the '66 version, which is exactly exactly the same as in the in the Cousin series, Batman is like a, an inverted Winston Wolf. He's a fixer. He's embraced by the police force. In fact, the police force are ineffective without him. He's he's a yeah, kind yeah. of honorary deputized member. He has full immunity from Commissioner Gordon <laughs> and Chief O'Hara, and he's just he just goes around <laughs> fixing everything from cats up in trees to mm. to you know russian missile crises and everyone is get me batman they kind of exact re-examine that in the lego batman movie where it's like actually Where's you know he? he's been he's here just 90 a, years and yeah he's 90 years and he's crime. just a man karate chopping poor people do we really need that uh, and and should we perhaps yeah. go down the legal route but i love the fact yeah. they embrace them both so the, they, they both get them right 
Will Arnett's Batman, the Lego Batman, is absolutely spot on as a character. That is a great Batman adaptation, a great realization of Batman. West's Batman is where it all really began. Mm. I mean, if you don't include the 1940s serials, and I don't, who does? Mm. Um, Adam West kind of gave birth to it all. You know, he is the <laughs> the daddy of the Batman, the grandfather, yeah, the grandfather of Batman. Batman. Um, very briefly, I just wanted to point. We were talking there about the characters of Chief O'Hara, and we mentioned earlier on you talked about the you know, Hispanic uh, Commissioner Gordon. Both, I, I, both characters appear in the Lego Batman film. Both women, mm. which is, I think, a first. You know, obviously yeah. Barbara Gordon is already an established character, but the idea of Barbara Gordon as Commissioner Gordon and also Batgirl, Batgirl is an interesting choice. And O'Hara is in the Lego Batman film. She's like the kind of like the side, uh, almost yeah. Gordon's sidekick. Gordon's sort of deputy. And, and yeah, and they go, and it's a woman. And that's so, you know, who would have thought in 2017 you take a Lego film to. Really and that's why I think, I think it will be. Casting. I think these, and I do think the, I think these Lego films yeah. will continue to do something like that. A woman also voices Clayface in the Lego film, the Lego movie, which is you know, inspired. It's again a great piece of a great joke, but also you know. Yeah, Should we move on to, to Bob's? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give them both exactly the same. I'm going to give them both four, four Bobs. Yep. Yep. Four Bobs a piece because they're they're just tremendous fun, and and I think that Lego Batman movie is going to be exactly is going to take the occupy the same position on the shelf, not necessarily the definitive shelf, <laughs> but my shelf, shelf, yeah. yeah. Uh, whereas I can stick it on, I can have a good laugh at it, I can enjoy the references and that tongue in cheek sense of humour, and and they're both celebrations of the Dark Knight. You know, they're yeah. both they're both for me. They're going to be gleaming museum pieces of my childhood and, and a celebration of something that I've always held dear so both four bob from me I can't add anything else to that I agree, agree with you completely mm. so it's a four bob for both of them from me as well Can't understand you but it looks bloody good Yes so uh, this is our foreign film feature which we, we only ever sort of wheel out once in a blue moon which is Something I'm. We'll get better at that. We'll get better at it. Certainly, yeah, we'll get better. Uh, at it. You haven't. Met, you didn't mention the top of the show what the film was. So do you want me to mention it now? Because it's not Hook. It's, it's not <laughs> Hook. Uh, you know, sorry about that. It's Tony Erdman. It's the uh, the new German Austrian comedy. The three hour German comedy. It's a three hour German <laughs> comedy. Yeah, it's the one that. Well, I mean, it's set the awards buzz hype through the stratosphere at the moment. It's won countless awards already. Mm. It's odds on, I think, to win best yeah. foreign film. I mean, you know, it's good because Hollywood want to remake it. Well, that. I'll tell you what, I will come to that in my little review of it. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what it's about, roughly. Yes. So the synopsis essentially is that there is a, uh, a a father and daughter story, is what it is at its heart. The daughter is a high-flying businesswoman uh, who's, who's doing very well, but she's in a very high-pressured job. And the job is consuming her life completely. She's got no downtime. She's constantly working. She's fiercely ambitious, but she is becoming detached by it all. You know, everything is driven by work. And her father is this kind of... is this oddball, constant practical joker who works in a school. Right. And he's never seen without his detachable, goofy teeth, you know, like the kind of prosthetic <laughs> teeth that you can put in. And he he does... Like, from the opening from the film, you see that he he comes to open the door um, to the to the postman... And he says, "Oh no, this this uh, this po- this post is for my brother. Let me just go and, and get him." And then he disappears off and comes back exactly the same, but he's got these prosthetic teeth in and a big dressing gown on. And he plays Tony Erdman, 
and he's pretending that the the the, pa- the package has a bomb in it whilst not wanting to hold it and keeping the post office <laughs> lo- worker just looking at him really nervous. Then he kind of comes clean. And throughout these three hours, he's constantly doing that. Anyway, there is going to be a, like an acquisition of sorts by another company and the daughter is going to be managing... She's a consultant and effectively the, her job is to prove that outsourcing is going to be a good idea. And in doing so, she's going to cost a lot of people her job. She's kind of having a bit of a, yeah, an existential yeah, yeah. crisis by that. Um, so daughter is played by Sandra Hula. Uh, father is played by Peter Simonchek. Now, I'm probably saying those names wrong, but that seems to be my custom. Do I'm, write to us if... Was <laughs> <laughs> it editor? At yeah, care of David Break. Anyway, they so they have this kind of strange and fractured relationship anyway. She plays, as I say, this consultant, and her father is kind of coming back into her life. He flits in and out, and he's trying to prove that life is more meaningful than just statistics and jobs and money. Goes to visit her while she's while she's away mm. doing doing business. And they kind of have a bit of a falling out. Like he's getting under her feet and he's a bit shabby. You know, he doesn't live up to these high expectations that she's got. She finds it difficult being a woman in a man's world as it is. And all of a sudden her kind of shambolic prank uh, performing father is is in town and causing mayhem. She kind of dismisses him and he then he leaves and he goes to go home. But then he returns as a life coach named Tony Erdman and he's wearing this kind of like almost Brian May esque yeah. wig, and he's com- replete with the with the, the practical joke teeth. And in doing so, he kind of ends up embroiling himself in all of her business and the business that she is working for. And it, I don't want to say much more about it than that. It, it's just this very surreal set of comedy of errors that constantly keeps going. And it is it's laugh out loud funny. It's weird as anything. It's one of the strangest films that you'll ever watch. It really does tap into this quintessentially European surrealism, mm. and it, and ends up being actually one of the most touching films of the year, and one of the most touching films I've seen in 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 years. You spoke at the beginning about you know you know it's good because Hollywood are already devouring it and mm. you know crapping it out the other side as a US remake, and it taps into this idea that I spoke about, and we've probably mentioned it before, is old boy syndrome. Yeah, when they remade that a few years ago. There's no need at all to remake Tony Erdman. It's perfect as it is, and casting is absolutely fantastic. As I say, the lead role of Tony Erdman is played by an actor who is known almost exclusively, from what I understand, for theatre work. Right. He's not a big film actor, and so therefore wasn't well known when he was cast in Tony Erdman. And his, his performance has come out of nowhere, because no one really knows who he is. Only if you're really a lovey do you know who this man is. Yeah. Or if you're really, you know, you are uh, uh, an aficionado of Germanic cinema. Jack Nicholson is one of the most famous actors in the world. He's one of the most acclaimed actors in the world. And while it is inspired casting, like when you look at it on paper and you think Jack Nicholson as Tony Erdman, absolutely fantastic. Uh, Kristen, uh, Kristen Wiig as Ines Conradi, perfect casting. But it doesn't need to be made. No. It... It's like bringing, you know, when you went to birthday parties as a kid and one mum would always bring a lunchbox for a child. Like, there was always one child that would never eat what everyone else is eating because they were so precious, you know. 
That's what. I don't remember that. It probably means it was it me. It probably was you. Yeah, you are the Tony Erdman <laughs> of five-year-old birthday parties. But for me, it's exactly the same. It brings nothing. It takes away because there is something so quintessentially German, Austrian about this sense of yeah. humour, about this production, uh, and it's brave in terms of some of the jokes it does. There is a whole sequence that's shot almost entirely in the nude, right? Which I feel will have to be modified for a US audience. There's a lovely sequence where there's this kind of like hairy Bulgarian monster that's brought in involved. You think that there is, a, and it's actually very soft and tender, but you feel like Jack Nicholson's face will have to be seen in that sequence. And it will lose things because of that, in the same way that Old Boy was such a, a product of its Eastern roots that when they brought it to an American audience yeah. with American cast and crew, it, it just lost something. I think Tony Erdman will go the same way. It's out at the moment in certain cinemas. I think your best bet is going to be seeing it in the cities. It's showing quite a few places in London. It's showing nowhere in Kent. <laughs> so that kind of gives you a flavour of where you might be able to see it. But it is so worth watching. It probably will win. I think it is going to win, having looked at the nominations. It will win Best Foreign Film at the Oscars. But it's a lovely way to spend three hours. And it is a masterpiece, apart from the last five minutes. The last five minutes lets it down. Oh, really? Well, and... It's no spoiler to say the last five minutes hammers home in black and white what the point of this film is. And you know sometimes when it's like some things are best left unsaid. Yeah. It, for me, the fact it was a three-hour film, you got to luxuriate in the message of this film. You got to witness and, and they got to physicalise the meaning of this film without saying it in exposition. Whereas in the last five minutes of the film, they effectively turn around to the camera and go, by the way, if, if you didn't get it, if you know, wake up now, three hours, you're about to leave. This is the point of this film, but it's great. You know, I really would say, don't worry too much about the, I mean, the cast and crew of the original were already distancing themselves from the US remake. Currently, Marinade has the director and writer of the film has, I think they've said that she might be an executive producer, but she's already distancing herself from it. Mm. You know, so it will come into prominence when Jack Nicholson and Kristen Wiig do their version. It's a of real it, shame because you know it, that that exposes, I think, a, a, an unpleasant. I mean, I'm not going to say Hollywood is pleasant, mm. but it exposes that unpleasant side of Hollywood, that sort of cold business side, where they've someone somewhere has basically said, well, yeah, it's great, but no one in America is going to watch it. Yeah, it's subtitled. Week, it's subtitled. It's German. You know, no one's gonna, and it's three hours long. We'll uh, have to, you know, Harvey Weinstein or someone of his ilk is, is, there absolutely. Going, you know, is there going, how can we love it, but how can we make it... But it would be the same conversation yeah. that everyone had uh, when Old Boy came out, when the US remake of Old Boy. is like, why, why did we need this? Mm. It's taken away from the original film, and it isn't that good. You know, can you capture lightning twice? I don't necessarily think you can. And I do think that everything that makes Tony Erdman special will be lost in translation. Because what makes it so special is this bravery, this idea of yeah. three-hour German comedy that's audacious. Well, I think they, they must know this as well. The, 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 by casting Jack Nicholson, you know, all the headlines were Jack Nicholson's first role... Coming in, out of retirement. ...in seven years. Coming out of retirement to play this role. That's, that's the sell... And that's what so people are going to go and see, that's people are going to go and see it because Jack Nicholson's first film in seven years. Mm. Um, but that's a shame. Uh, hopefully, Dan. Hopefully, it means that the original, the one that we're speaking about today, hopefully that will find a wider audience because of it. You know, maybe people will. I know there was a, a, a resurgence in the old boy with people kind of watching the original. It's just a shame. I don't know. But do go and see the film. It's great. It's a five bob film. Wunderbar. 
Dads describing films. Yes, this is one of our Ronsil features, and fast becoming, I think, our favourite feature, and indeed the audience's favourite feature. This is the one I get the most comments about from listeners, is, this is great. We, <laughs> more, um, more John and Bob, please. We actually, Less Chris and Dan. <laughs> yeah, I know, that's a shame. We, it's, we're like the, it's going to be the Tony Erd remake <laughs> now, isn't it? I uh, actually played Dads describing films over Christmas. Can I tell you this? No. Yes, you did. You mentioned oh, this. I thought yeah, I, yeah. Maybe I mentioned this on the podcast. We actually, I played the ones that we've released that your dad has done and my mother, father, sister and brother-in-law played along. My dad was doing well, obviously. <laughs> of course, well, they're, they're twins. the same, same mind, same mind. Um, for those of you who haven't listened to the show before, dad's describing films, as I said, kind of does what it says on the tin. Um, Christopher is about to hear uh, my dad describe three different films. Um, and I wanted to say, just as a caveat, our fathers aren't putting this on. Like, I've met Dan's dad. This is exactly what he's like. You know, and people, are long-term listeners of the show, will remember we did, like, two hours with your dad for his birthday about, yeah, what was yeah. it, five or well, six five years, years ago? Years five years like ago, yeah. So, yeah, just wanted to um, <laughs> put a little Cole Pilkington disclaimer out. You know? Yeah, these, they aren't pretending. So they, they've been... I've, I've said to him, describe this film. He proceeds to describe it. There right. are certain caveats. He can't mention the name of the film when he's describing it. We can use the actors, but, but he not can the use the actors. Is yeah. that right? He can, just, he can say who's in it, but he can't say the name of the characters because otherwise that would give it away. Right. So here we go. Film the number one? one. Yeah. Okay. It's all right. It's all right. Clint Eastwood. And the other fellas, I can't. I don't know. Can't. Can't name <laughs> the agents must be guided. Sort of years ago. Uh, it doesn't come on so much now, does it? On the TV, don't see it on the telly much. <laughs> they was a bit different from your normal uh, Hollywood okay. westerns. Uh, <clears throat> they were all right. They, was, they not not they, dialogue. If I remember rightly, Clint Eastwood wasn't not a chatter, <laughs> is he? But, uh, all right. So, <laughs> I love the fact that I love the fact that with both of them, they don't describe the film; they describe the context around it. So the biggest point of reference in that is that this film is no longer on the television much. Yeah. <laughs> you don't see this film. Do you know what? He's bang right. If this is the film I think it is, he is bang right. You do not see this film on the telly much. Clint Eastwood isn't much of a talker. <laughs> and we don't know the names of the other blokes. Is this the good, the bad and the ugly? It is absolutely the good, the bad, the ugly. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. But, you know, he is, he is absolutely bang right. You don't see this film on the telly. I can't even remember the last time I saw this on the television. Um, He's got a point. He has got a real point. Okay, number two. I haven't seen it. Your brother described it to <laughs> I haven't me seen it. And I'm none the wiser. How did he describe it to you? I don't Who described it to him? My brother. I believe it's got... DiCaprio? <laughs> He's in Robert it. Uh, some people said you need it to watch it twice. How true that is, I don't know. He didn't describe that film. He said, he, he has he never seen the film? But your brother described it to him. Yeah. And he thinks Leonardo DiCaprio's in it, but yeah. you've got to watch it twice. It's got to be Inception. It, it is, you Inception. Have Inception. That's the only way. The only way it was because he said you've got to watch it twice. I thought you're not going to get that. And he didn't. I asked him, I said, describe Inception. And then I said, well, can you describe how Jamie described it to you? He's he like, said, no. He said, I can't. It wasn't. No. Do you know what? My mum and dad hated that film as well, I've got to admit. Although I'll say that every time I watch it, like The Dark Knight Rises, I feel like I'm just kicking Christopher Nolan's like happy slap now, innit? And I do feel like that film does get worse in time. But okay, 
Well done. Is this the last one now? Uh, the last one next. Last yeah. one. I saw the. I saw. I saw. Uh, I saw. Yeah, I saw that at the, at the cinema, and I thought it was really good. Adventure. It goes back, I suppose, to the old. Showing my age now, but I used to have the old Saturday morning pictures, and it was that sort of adventure type of film, roller coaster, I suppose they call it now. That was the original <laughs> now. Uh, of this trilogy, which sprung another film which wasn't as good. The last one I didn't think was as good. I'm the first one, it, it, when it came out, I believe in the 80s. 80s? Mm. But in the 80s, it was very good, and this, the, the main actor has gone on to lots of stuff, and he? he's probably iconic characters he, in Hollywood, really, I believe. I am never going to get this. It was, it, it was showing his age. It's showing his age. It's like adventure. Uh, the actor's gone on to stuff. I'll have a complete punt, okay? This is a complete punt, and I think this is what will let me down. But I will say Indiana Jones. Which one? I will say Raiders of the Lost Ark. It is, it's exactly that. Really? Yeah, well... <laughs> Bloody hell, honestly, I feel like I'm... You, know him, Look too, at you me. know him too well now. I'm like a jellyfish <laughs> at the moment. I'm 98% water. Honestly, I would, I, I, that was a complete punt. Yeah, complete Raiders punt. of the Lost Ark. Well, John. Which you saw, which you saw at the cinema. And yeah, I mean, I, do you know what I was thinking? It was. It was only because he said the eighties. Yeah. And because he said that there was more than one, but beforehand, I was going to say the Lone Ranger. Now I know he's not that old, but <laughs> I thought that because that 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 Saturday yeah, yeah, morning yeah. kind yeah. of adventures and stuff like that. Blimey, I feel exhausted, Dan. I've got I've got a migraine coming on. I've got pains in my temples, in my temple of dooms. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> Netflix. This has been the Dan Orton show, isn't it? With the, have I done the jingle? Oh yeah, I did something well, didn't I? You always do, yeah. But you've, <laughs> and, you've and done you've the... Had, you've had two, it's two, two and two. Oh, okay, fair enough. Again, another sort of pretty obvious title to feature. Yeah. I've, got, I've been watching Netflix recently, as, I, as is my want, and I've got a particularly good one, a good film or TV show that's on Netflix. Some, sometimes it's a major film, sometimes, more often than not, it's a sort of undiscovered gem. It's a or, curio, or a curio sometimes, yeah. isn't it? Um, this month... This falls somewhere between those two things, I would say. I yeah. think it, it falls somewhere between a curio and a, and a mainstream kind of widespread. So this month is a film that's been on Netflix, I think, for a little over four months or so. Uh, if it came out in 2011. It is We Need to Talk About Kevin, based on the book of the same name, uh, which I had read um, maybe around the time the film came out, I think. You did, because before. as I say, my point of reference to this film is that back in the radio days in yeah. 2011, I saw this film and ironically told you about it and you'd read the book. Yes. So we kind of did almost a book-to-screen discussion about it because yeah, yeah. you hadn't seen the film. No, I hadn't. I, I hadn't read I've the book. only now just got around to seeing the film. I that? bought the book recently, but oh, I haven't yeah. I haven't actually read it it's yet. It's an interesting yeah. twist of fate, isn't it? Um, so yeah, this this film, it's a, we need to talk about Kevin. It's The book is... Written in uh, letters. Oh, cool! So it, it's letters from from this woman Eva Katchadorian to her husband Franklin about events that led up to um, 
a, a, a horrifying um, conclusion. Conclusion. Uh, basically, it's all about. She's writes about their life. She writes about how you know how they had their son Kevin and they ra- you know and the raising of Kevin and, and how he was something of a problem child. Um, and you're not familiar. You don't you know you, the twist in the book is devastating um, because you're not aware. Of, and you've obviously seen the film, so you know what I'm it talking about. It hints at it in the film, doesn't it? I don't know if it does. No, no, there's no, way, but... there's no sort of. In the book, there's this impression that she's no longer with Franklin. She's no longer no longer has access to, to Kevin, and and their daughter, uh, for reasons that become clearer. Yeah, for reasons that you know at the, finally are revealed in the, in the last few letters that she's writing to to Franklin. <clears throat> it was. Great to finally see the film, and I tell you what, it's a it is uh, an incredible incredible adaptation of oh, what good. is already. A, I mean, it's a difficult book. It's a difficult uh, source for any uh, source material, um, but in the hands of Lynn Ramsey, who directs and and wrote the wrote the script, um, it's a remarkable piece of filming film work. I still think we're going to see a lot from. Her as a director, yes. I still think like the best perhaps is yet to come. She's, she's yeah, exciting. I mean, but I mean, but but if we need to talk about Kevin, is anything to go by? I mean, she she's a uh, just a great great filmmaker. Um, it's a you know this this is an issue. This is a film that tackles issues about well, it, take, it takes the idea of motherhood, which traditionally in films, I think. Um, uh, you know, having having kids, raising a baby is you know they sometimes go oh it's a bit you know it's a bit of a chore, but generally it's this wonderful miracle of birth and isn't it great? It's cozy and warm. it's cozy and warm and motherhood is this wonderful wonderful thing that happens. This turns that completely on its head. Uh, Eva Katadorian does not connect with her son Kevin at all from the moment of birth. She and she has that she she thinks that he's he's calculating and Machiavellian and everything he does is deliberately against her because he, he hates her. Her husband, Franklin, um, I should point out in the film, Tilda Swinton plays Eva. Franklin is played by John C. Riley. Yeah, le- um, le- left field casting there. It works. It works, this is what I mean. Yeah, but it absolutely still left works. But, but that is, I think that was a genius, a stroke of genius. Um, and, and at this point, a sort of more or less unknown Ezra Miller played This was the first film I think I ever saw him in. Um, and he is, uh, he is a captivating presence on screen. Um you can't look away from him when he's there and every, I mean everything I've seen Ezra, Ezra Miller in a few in a few things um, but this now I hope he doesn't being get a I was gonna say, I hope he doesn't get gobbled up by franchising though because you know he was in Fantastic Beasts he's going to be the Flash later on this year in Justice League and if yeah. that solo film ever does get made I know that's like you know fighting god knows how much See, production flames you talk of left field castings I, I did I'm still convinced that Ezra Miller is a strange choice for a, a big franchise film but you know there's been stranger choices yeah absolutely. Glenn Close for example um, pops up in Guardians of the Galaxy uh, yeah so she, she uh, Eva thinks that Kevin hates her and her husband Franklin says you know you're obviously ridiculous he's a kid he's not you know this is unconditional love for their parents Um and it, it, it's 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 a it's a psychological thriller, um, it, essentially. And they play my you know it's it's a it's a game of cat and mouse. The you know mind games between them, and it shares some DNA. And this will be an odd twist to say, but I think you'll agree. But it shares some DNA with the Omen, doesn't it? It's impossible, I think, to not 
compare the two when you've got you know when it's a film about a demonic, demonic child. child although although Kevin isn't overtly demonic in there's this. nothing there's supernatural no, there's about no supernatural elements in this this is literally about a, uh, a a sociopathic young man who wages you know a psychological war, war essentially, yeah. on not only his mum but everyone but he particularly and you know her paranoia is is not misplaced he you know the, the film very much takes the 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 narrative that he is out to get her and and yeah you know and it, it raises questions about you know is motherhood this sort of innate thing that all women are going to be good at why is you know is there too much pressure on women to be good mothers and to love their children and what is that and is what it does social that, construct you know, what does that mean really when you've got this sort of situation there's a scene where she and this is you know this is taken directly from the book a lot of the book is in the film there's very little that's kind of added or or removed there there are moments in there um little things like the fact he stops crying when franklin holds him after you know crying consistently for her there's a bit where she takes him outside for a walk in the city and just stands by um a guy with a a, a road drill to, just to drown out the noise of his crying and people are walking past being you know wondering what's wrong with this and she's this is what this, it's a great piece it's a great uh scene she's just standing there and the look of serenity on her face the the, the, the drill is drowning out the sound of her, her crying child she looks so happy about it um all the other bits I, I really don't want to talk I really don't want to talk about though, isn't it because even the beginning isn't it with the tomato kind of stuff is it the tomato stuff or the colour isn't it yes. Spanish festival kind of thing that they do yeah the yeah yes they go to the tomato yeah. festival in, um, which is incredibly when you, when you once you get when you get to the end of the film an incredibly sinister um, There's use of, of that, yeah. Um, the use of yeah. It's interesting you mentioned the use of color in this film. Red is is very is, is um, incredibly important to it. Um, yellow and blue, which are all colors of traditional bullseyes, which I don't want to give it away, but is very um, apt for the the, the final. Hopefully climate. we can talk about this film because you, you've reignited my interest. I haven't seen it since the cinema. Well, it's on Netflix, my it's friend. On, it's, it's, on, my, it's, it's, it's my your Netflix. Netflix for today. But I, I, I would love to talk about this film again with you because there is a there is a particular element that Dan is dancing quite gracefully around. Yes, the and I don't want to give it away because if, do, if you haven't seen it, you absolutely have to and, see it. And, 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 and the only know... word I would use is is always relevant, timely, isn't it? Like it, this film, I think. I, can't, I am now joining the dance with you. It's like the Bolero. But this film will not lose that relevance. No, never. I don't see how it can, in, you know, in, in this day and age. I hope that we've teased them enough now. <laughs> Go and see it and, and, you know, email us. Podcast at wonderingview.com if you do see it. Um, and let us know what you think. It's on Netflix at the moment. I'm sure it's available uh, via, you know, on DVD and Blu-ray for pennies as well. Um, but I, I, I urge you to, and also read the book Housekeeping we no have no jingle for that Dan <laughs> we never have and we never will we never will it's a promise uh, so one thing I want to get off my chest actually for housekeeping this isn't really housekeeping for the for the podcast and housekeeping if you're new is just literally where we tidy up at the end 
This is just much needed tidying up. Much needed tidying up. This is just general me being a fascist and an old cranky twenty-seven-year-old. Don't worry, fascism is in vogue at the moment. Well, I think that this will be the best part of the podcast. Then, when you are going to the cinema, please treat it as you would any public forum. Dress as a Nazi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you just respect the area and the people around you. Because when I went to see the Lego Batman, I've seen the film twice now, Dan. Yeah. Saw it at a preview screening a couple of I weeks like ago. This is what grinds your gear. This is just me having a good old rant at the end of it, right? I've got my rake that I'm shaking in yeah, my hand. Put that down. <laughs> Sorry, I nearly had your eye out there. Sorry, brother. Just shaved off his face. Uh, but I went to go and see it with with my fiance, uh, and at this preview screening and. The, this like group of people came in. There was a what I, I'm assuming, Dan. I'm inferring now was a father, mm. his two daughters, one of which was probably twelve or thirteen, the other one was about say fifteen, fifteen sixteen, and what I could assume was maybe a cousin or an uncle figure came down. They talked all the way through loudly through the Lego short, which is actually quite delightful before yeah. the before the ba- Lego Batman movie which I will say isn't showing with every Lego Batman movie no, it, it was with the sporadic. preview yeah but it wasn't in my second viewing and just swore th- loudly throughout the whole thing and I'm talking like the big ones the big lads when, in the swearing league Dan all the way throughout through throughout the film throughout the film throughout the short throughout everything was really really obnoxious uh, someone far braver than I <laughs> went over to speak to them was shouted down instantly. No washer in sight to kind of help help the situation out. And which, and as I say, just gen- generally obnoxious. So anyway, in order to give my my absolute and clearest critical viewing of this, I went to go and see it again last night. Hmm. Was in a what can only be described as a tumble dryer of parents and children. And the parents were... A risk when you go and see a Lego film, I think. I agree, and it is a family film. And you know what? Sometimes, my sister's just recently given birth. So I'm in a kind of, quite a paternal mood, you know, like I'm seeing this little child grow hour by hour. Thank you very much for your congratulations. Uh, podcast <laughs> at one room of the view. If, you, uh, <laughs> if there's anyone else out there who's uh, particularly happy about it. Anyone cares. <laughs> anyone cares. But... And, and, you know, sometimes it's quite nice to see it in a, in a more lively and active audience, but not when all the parents are just sat flicking through Facebook, liking comments. There was, do you know what they were doing at one point? Taking selfies during what? the film with flash on and things like that. It was that it, it was awful. Unacceptable. It was, it was so unacceptable. Beyond the pale. It was beyond the pale. I was sat at the back. I'm not mocking you, by the way. I agree. That, I, that no, I, I know awful. you agree. But I was sat right at the back of the cinema and the doors of the cinema were um, parallel to where I was sitting. Okay. People going in and out, peeing, going out, getting massive great Cokes and popcorns, you know, like drums of popcorn down. I'm not talking about like a packet of popcorn. I'm talking about like an oil drum of it, you know. <laughs> And rolling, rolling it. it in, yeah, <laughs> rolling it in. But the worst thing was is that they had this awful kind of like dental hygienist like white light outside that was just glaring in. It was so awful, and I, it just this is my only public forum I could use outside <laughs> the teaching profession. <laughs> uh, and please act accordingly, act with civility, please. That's my call to arms. Desperate for cinema, plea. it's a desperate plea. Do you want to name like, and shame the cinema? It was the Bexley Heath Cine World. Well, sorted out. Bexley. To date, I tweeted them, Dan. To date, you know, we're talking seventeen hours after the fact. I have yet to receive a reply, but I will keep you informed. Please do. I this mean, is this my is forum. This is my platform. 
Gus I'm off the Poets Corner <laughs> with an empty drum of popcorn uh, <laughs> to go and <laughs> continue the manifesto. But well, anyway, on to the main event. Yeah, housekeeping. Housekeeping. So we are the official podcast of One Room with a View dot com. There is loads and loads of things, as always, Dan, going on. Uh, I, I, I can use this as a, as, a, as another platform of nepotism to say that myself and regular audience and time coordinator of the podcast, Ursin Ali, are venturing to Berlin next week. We will be in Berlin between the 13th and 19th of February following the film festival there, so please do check out the reviews. Um, in terms of features, we've got just loads, like we've got barrels of popcorn, Dan, there, you know, stacking up quite nicely. Again, to use nepotism, I did do uh, Who Could Direct the Batman, so do check that out. But there's who, loads who of fun. Who can direct the Batman? My, my personal cho- choice is Carrie Fukunaga. You have to be very careful saying that name. Mm. Uh, but he's my choice, the true detective. It seems that Matt Reeves of the, I say, the, have you seen the news that they've actually... The ape stuff, you know, yeah. he seems to be taking it. Safe but, you pair know, of hands. Yeah, safe, safe pair of hands, so I'm sure we'll talk about it soon. Anything else? You got anything going on? No, other than the fact that, obviously, we are now releasing podcasts on a fortnightly basis, um, as opposed to the regular, uh, as opposed to last year, where it was only one per month. Uh, bear with us while we get used to that sort of thing. We might keep referring to the podcast as this month's podcast. Or, mm. you know, um, but, no, we are now doing it fortnightly. The next episode, so this episode, um, you'll listen to is already out, uh, the next episode will be out unless you're listening to it in some sort of prophetic dream <laughs> and if so we can only apologise <laughs> oh my god <laughs> seek help yeah. um, the next episode will be about the Oscars we're going to be looking at the Oscars we're doing our own um, version aren't we our own version of the Oscars the, the Notskers yes I didn't want to say it but Chris has called it the Notskers so <laughs> um, you distance yourself which we will be releasing you're just... like Marinade <laughs> I am in fact <laughs> Mar- nice visual gag yeah, podcast sorry. there. Um, I know my I know my audience. I know my medium. Uh, we are going to be releasing that just ahead of the the Oscars, the actual Oscars, in yeah. a couple of weeks' time. Um, and from now on, yes, we will be releasing fortnightly. Most recent podcast was our look at um, digital resurrections, digital, digital resurrections of actors. And yeah, uh, we hope you enjoy the the new sort of. More, more regular output. Yeah, so if you want to contact us, I think we've said it a few times now, we are podcast at oneroomwithaview.com. You can follow the website on Twitter at oneroomwithaview, it's numerical one, or like us on Facebook, one room with a view. If you'd like to follow Dan, he's... At Mr. Orton, M-I-S-T-E-R-O-R-T-O-N. And I'm at the Prestonite, T-H-E-P-R-E-S-T-O-N-I-T-E, califragilistic, I'm the like... We'll see you next month. Cheerio.